But you have no right to call me a murderer. You have a right to kill me. I have a right to do that. But you have no right to judge me. It's impossible for words to describe what is necessary to those who do not know what horror means. Horror. Horror has a face. And you must make a friend of horror. Horror and moral terror are your friends. If they are not, then they are enemies to be feared. And then I realized, like I was shot, like I was shot with a diamond, a diamond bullet right through my forehead. And I thought, my God, the genius of that, the genius, the will to do that. Perfect, genuine, complete, crystal, pure. And then I realized they were stronger than me because they could stand up. These were not monsters. These were men, trained cadres. These men who fought with their hearts, who have families, who have children, who are filled with love. But they had the strength, the strength to do that. If I had 10 divisions of those men, then our troubles here would be over very quickly. You have to have men who are moral and at the same time who are able to utilize their primordial instincts to kill without feeling, without passion, without judgment without judgment. Because it's judgment that defeats us. Hey, I'm Kyle. Thanks for joining me and Andy for the Legendary Creature Podcast. So if you're listening with your kids or your conservative grandma, maybe don't, because we swear. Or you can check us out on YouTube, because hey, that's no place for conservative old women or children. Fuck yeah. All right, let's dive in. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Wait, I'm not going to do shit. So, uh, so we've got a guest with us today. We've got Austin from Commander Howdy. 99. That would be me. Hey, well, man. Welcome aboard, dude. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, uh, about what you do. Hmm. Well, I think I want to actually start by saying that I am a fan of this podcast. I'm going to start there. Awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah. So after uh, you know this is all done and out, I'm definitely going to you know, be listening to this episode and thinking to myself, like, 
who's this guy? Who's Austin? And so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna tell you. Is this podcasting exactly for who me? I am. <laughs> I'm a uh, content producer for Commander ninety nine, and we produce deck techs and commander gameplay videos in both the paper and online yeah you do a lot of online i've noticed yeah we've been doing a lot more online lately um it's just pretty effective in terms of like cost oh yeah and recording and audio editing as well oh yeah for sure for sure yeah yeah how is it like actually playing online comparative to are you playing you it seems like you play with people you know but you don't really just go up against randos do you or do you ever do that online in the random environment uh i've done a few streams with it that's actually kind of how i started my content producing as mm-hmm. i was streaming on twitch and people leave that's the best i would say for playing in the multiplayer format with random strangers is expect at least one of one or two of them to leave before the uh before the game's over <laughs> they really? just bow out they're like oh this isn't for me yeah either way because you you're because of actions that were taken in the game or uh, it no could be a multitude reason. of things okay. i think a lot of the times i see people it's like oh i got a phone call that i gotta make at this particular moment like, so i'm sorry i have to go <laughs> like, who is commander it? <laughs> is a commitment man <laughs> who who's calling you dude i'll wait yeah yeah exactly <laughs> uh, but playing with people uh, one of the things that's great about playing online is that a lot of the triggers, they, you know, kind of stack themselves and right, they, yeah, I guess you know, is. sequence properly. And right. so you don't really have to, you can kind of autopilot a lot of that and focus on the, the dialogue and the banter. Huh. That's a good point. Cause we, uh, things get pretty nutty, man. Yeah. We, land, we, uh, we definitely, we screw up some rules things as we're playing table like sepulchral primordial dude. Like that one gives me a headache every time it resolves, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool, dude. Uh, yeah, we don't have any presence on MTGO. I think I gave it a shot for like popper stuff, but okay. Cause that's probably the best place to do popper. Honestly, is MTGO. Sure. That's it. Sure. Yeah. But we kind of just stick with, the group of dickheads we play with. <laughs> so do you guys have anything exciting coming up on, on commander nine yeah, that you're yeah. working on? Currently I'm trying to do some guilds of Ravnica deck techs. Yeah, so man. a few commanders that I particularly in, enjoyed from the set. And, uh, it's really just plugging through, going through our, uh, gameplay videos. You know, we have some that we try to release on like a weekly schedule or longer if I'm, you know, being, uh, being slow. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I know what man, that's it's, like. It's a yeah. job on <laughs> All right, man. Well, let's, uh, let's dive into today's topic. So we're going to talk Selesna. <clears throat> you guys are going to talk Selesna. Describe. Okay. Look, look, you got a guy that's listening who just isn't into it. Convince me why we, oh, I should be into it. <laughs> Selesna. Convince you why? Yeah. Huh. Mm. Do you got any you got any thoughts, Austin? Why why Selesnia? Yeah. Why would um, anybody be into it? What what advantages do they get from focusing on those two colors? For me, it's creatures. Okay. I think that's that's a color combination where creatures first come to mind. And whether that's, you know, creatures with bodies or token creatures, mm. you know, you you go wide, you play a ton of creatures, and uh you spend the rest of the game watching them watching them die or trying to protect them yeah. from uh, board wipes or anything like that. Mm-hmm. 
I think I think that's a really good characterization. I think uh I think to add on to that, if we're if we're looking at EDH rec and we're looking at the commanders that kind mm-hmm. of top the top the rows, I guess, of of Selesnia commanders, it's not just creatures, but creatures for benefit, right? So yes. it looks like Tristani, uh Selesnia's voice is the top Selesnia commander. And so we're getting life gain from creatures entering the battlefield. Uh, Karametra is number two. And so yeah. we're getting lands out of creatures getting played. Yeah. So both care, care about creatures. Yeah. Their size or whatever. Yeah. And then we've, get, we've got other ones like both of the Sigardas that have some kind of protection for our creatures so as high well. resilience too. Uh, yeah. And both of them are, are pretty decently resilient. So. Gosh, she's so annoying, dude. <laughs> Which one? The 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 one that protects humans. The one that's the worst one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, host of herons is the rough one, man. Yeah, host of yeah. herons is is pretty pretty rough. Um, I think I think I, I I agree with with some of the stuff that Austin's saying is that is that you the colors are kind of asking you to play out creatures, and that you mm-hmm. have the ability to protect them as well. Like there's good spells for giving indestructible. Dauntless Escort. Yeah, Dauntless yeah. Escort, uh, Heroic oh, Intervention. Oh, fuck, yeah. That's a good card. So if you're playing a, a creature-centric strategy, there's there's ways to just kind of keep that going, which I think is, you know, if that's the way you lean, there's uh, there's stuff to protect your shit. Yeah, which is <laughs> yeah. important. If you're leveraging a creature pos- like board position, like it's once that goes away, I feel like that's where... That's probably like the strong point for Boros and Selesna is that they have a better way to protect their the the one position they care the most about. Yeah, mm-hmm. like Black really doesn't have a way to stop people from interfering with what Black cares about. But I mean, I don't know. It might be harder to characterize what it actually cares about. You know, sure. It actually is like, I guess the way it deals with it is it doesn't r- really hold on to it. It's like, well, I'm just gonna sacrifice these creatures anyway, or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, or anytime anything dies, somebody loses <clears throat> life. So, so I guess if I were doing my elevator pitch about Selesnia to somebody that's not into it, okay, yeah, I'd be like, "Hey, uh, if you're really into creatures, mm-hmm. let's let's get in there and get you a Selesnia deck because yeah. you can cast creatures, I get like benefit creatures. from it, and and then you've got this got the colors to protect them." All right, yeah, and you know what else? If you uh, if you don't like artifacts or enchantments, that Ooh. would be another thing. Oh that, yeah. Uh, that's the a color that does not align with that idea. Really, really good spot removal, yeah. I think, is is another thing to bring up. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. and grip. There's nothing so fine oh, as God. a and grip, <laughs> yeah. right? It is the silver bullet. It's the silver bullet for non-creature permanent, for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, enchant artifact. Uh, yeah, and I guess like the last, like if we're kind of following that line of thinking, the last, it's just Dramoka. Like Dramoka just chokes out anybody who... <laughs> likes a yeah. Videlkin Orrery on anyone else's turn. Like if you're the guy right before the Videlkin Orrery player, they're having to do it a turn earlier. Yeah. And you you have uh, you've actually completely just negated that $20 card because you're going to have the most if they're going they can't end step you. Oh yeah. You know? Like yep. the dragon won't allow it. So it just takes one $20 card to negate another $20 card. <laughs> is he $20? <laughs> Christ. Yeah, dragon Lord why? Has definitely crept up. Uh back when the Ur Dragon was released, it, uh, you know, it's a dragon. Oh yeah, yeah. So, definitely, definitely pretty... fits into that deck. Yeah, and he's a solid one too. That is surprising. Yeah. So yeah, it's a twenty dollar commander. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know, man. That's he's he's hard to play around. I've I haven't lost games to him, but it's definitely kind of like gummed up whatever I was up to. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw him in some games last night, right? Yeah, we did. Like it. Yeah. I think I was playing a Nizette deck and I was kind of like, well, my whole instant speed thing is uh not too happy right yeah, now. Yeah, so you know what I mean. You you know how it, you know how it feels. All right, so what are you guys going to do? What's Well, I I think maybe let's identify a few other like in addition to just what does Selesnia stand for? Mm-hmm. What are some mm-hmm. common deck routes that I think uh that we have? Well, tokens. Yeah, right to- away. yeah. Tokens obviously. Tokens big one. Uh Reese the yeah. Redeem Reese the Redeemed I think stands out It's an older card, but uh, it's still the front runner for token strategies. Yeah. And speaking of expensive commanders, 33 bucks for that guy right now. Yeah. He just yeah. probably needs a reprint. <laughs> um, I think we also have, you know, I think we've talked about this enchantments is another thing that comes up, whether you're playing general enchants around. Oh like yeah. Karametra. It's a to have Selesna colors almost because of the Enchantress package. Yeah, like the Enchantress package fits into green, white pretty well. off Daxos didn't really get us there. <laughs> you know? Then you've got, yeah. if you want to do the, you know, the Aura route, someone like Sigarda is quite nice for that. Yeah. Um, In the uh, the more recent years, uh, Equipment Cats, you know, Miri Weatherlight Duelist. Yeah, yeah exactly. Equipment. Nizan Revered Bladesmith is the other one. You know, that's something that kind of crept into Selesnia. So there's some yeah. variety here. Yeah, there's there really some is. variety available to you. Probably more than Demir, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're dead. Okay. All right, yeah. all right, you guys are... Okay, continue. <laughs> <laughs> is this what this is? It's just convincing uh, <laughs> convincing Andy that Selesnia is a good color combination? Yeah, if that's it, all this is like, for now. We'll, we'll know that we've done our job if by the time we get to our like beginning of the year episode, one of Andy's goals for the year oh, next year is resolutions to build a Selesnia deck. Hey man, I've I've hit almost all of them so far. <laughs> I've I've been a good boy this year for sure. <laughs> all right. Um but I think what we want to do now is we, uh Austin's got a deck for us. And Dude, so I do. Let's uh let's chat about that and hear hear what you've got. Yeah, what do you got? Okay. So I brought a commander from uh Dominaria. It's relatively new in Dominaria. Uh I was looking on EDA Trek. It's only got like 70 decks made, which is really low. Yeah, yeah. But I think uh I think this commander is is more powerful than than people might think. And that's why I definitely wanted to build around it and I think it highlights the the creature centric uh kind of strategy that this these colors enjoy, especially like bodies. So I went for more of a uh you know, physical creatures as opposed to tokens. Mm, okay. Uh, I like so that. I thought I'd start by uh, explaining what Shalai is. You know, that's probably important. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's get it. Three colorless and a white for a legendary uh, angel for a three, four flyer that has you planeswalkers you control and other creatures you control have hexproof. Jeez. So everything except for Shalai has hexproof, which I will get into later as to why that's important that everything else gets hexproof. Yeah, it's quite the insurance need, policy uh, for sure. <laughs> it's comprehensive. Ways to keep, uh, ways to keep Shalai hexproof. Um, has another ability for four and two green. 
So that's where the Selesnia part comes in. Yeah. Because, you know, it's uh, it's not just white. It's green as well. Okay. Yeah. Put a, <laughs> put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. So all your creatures get a plus one, plus one counter for six mana. So the more creatures you have, the more of a force multiplier this activation is. Yes. Okay. So I thought I'd start by going a bit broad and then kind of working my way into what makes Shalai unique to this deck. Okay. So I thought I'd start with mana dorks, you know, the most important part of the deck. Hmm. A 1-1 one, one creature for one that, you know, it's, it's really great on turn one. And as the game progresses, you know, it kind of loses some of its appeal. You know, turn 10, turn 11, you're not, you're not really interested in that, that one mana creature. Yeah. But, but this deck highlights that one mana creature. You know, it gives you a ton of value from that creature. Okay, interesting. So I built a deck that has a lot of ways to kind of, you know, produce value from these creatures synergize with them as you have more creatures on board and uh, produce a bunch of mana and then untap and tap your creatures multiple times so that you can produce a, a ton of mana to activate Shalai's ability multiple times. Um, that, so, that's, you know, <laughs> so now all of a sudden these mana dorks go from being these one ones that produce yeah. mana to, their bodies are getting bigger. They're getting right. tapped multiple times. And on the way there, I don't see people picking them off. I mean, they even before Shalai comes out, like mana dorks aren't typically the yeah. That's a target yeah, of waste of removal. removal usually, they just kind of take it, go with the board wipe. That's about the only time they go anywhere. Unless it's a Birds of Paradise, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Both just out of principle. Just out of principle. <laughs> Should have sideboarded my lightning bolt. <laughs> So I have quite a few different cards in here that focus on card draw when a creature enters the battlefield. Um, but there were a few that That's I wanted idea. to highlight okay. for this deck. And so uh, one of the main ones is uh, Beast Whisper, which just came out in Guilds of Ravnica. This is a really what is this one good card. Again? Oh, that's just like really the, it's like half a, okay, yeah. Yeah, this one is, yeah. this one is broke. Two colorless, a green and a green. Whenever you cast a creature spell, draw a card. It's a 2-3 body. It's an elf. It's like uh, Soul of the Harvest, just a little bit more affordable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, two less mana. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, the next one is Huatli, Radiant Champion. Two colorless, a green and a white. Legendary Planeswalker that comes in with three loyalty. Mm-hmm. It's plus one ability is put a loyalty counter on Huatli champion at radiant champion for each creature you control. So Your loyalty can spike pretty. Yeah. Quick. This one is awesome in a creature based deck loyalty. It's going to go up, probably going to ultimate pretty soon. Mm. You know, once it hits the board, uh, it's minus one ability target creature gets plus X plus X until end of turn where X is the number of creatures you control. So you could give Ooh. Shalai, you know, a bunch of power. Get in for some commander damage. It's pretty nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll take that. I don't care. Well, yeah, I mean, you're kind of translating the wider board state into something more spearheaded with that. Yeah. And and ni so, nice on a flying body. Yeah. 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 And so it's ultimate, you know, it, it's an emblem. 
and emblems are pretty difficult to interact with, and that's kind of why and they this can't be. cards in the deck, you know, they can't be interacted <laughs> with. Yeah. Um, whenever you cast a creature spell, or I'm sorry, whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may draw a card. So you get that, you know, that's it's a it, hot it, emblem. Yeah, they just can't interact with it. You know, you play a creature, draw a card, you know, for the rest of the game, that's going to be happening. Yeah. You might be able to get that multiple times too, with how quickly you can put her up and down. Oh yeah, what's her? What what does she need for her ultimate? What is it? She needs negative eight, and she comes in with what? Three, three. Okay. Three. Yeah. So six creatures for the first time. You know, get it up to nine. Try again the next uh, next time. You know, after ultimating, it's totally doable. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Another one is, we kind of mentioned it earlier, Karametric Guard of the Harvest. It's definitely in this deck. It's good. It's a great card. Casting creatures, searching for lands. Always welcome. Uh, The last one is a uh, white creature, Bygone Bishop. Two and a colorless. Flying, two, three. Whenever you cast a creature spell with converted mana cost three or less, you investigate. So you're going to put a clue token into play. You can sack that to draw a card. I feel like I overlook this card sometimes, you know? Like, it's just... It's just nice. (laughs) Investigate's a pretty powerful mechanic. Isn't there, like, a green one, too? Like, a pretty low CMC green There's Tireless Tracker that that comes to mind. Yeah, that's the one. Put a land into play. I think, like, in this particular deck, what makes it work really well with uh it works well with your mana dorks because you put bygone bishop out and then the next turn you can tap your creature to sacrifice the clue that you just put into play oh yeah yeah um so after the card draw you know there's there's plenty of it i think i've got like 12 different cards that all do the same thing yeah that's good enough for Uh, anybody and so it just kind of creates this engine of play a creature, draw a card, and continue to draw uh, with that. Then uh, as I'm playing all these uh, low converted mana cost creatures, now I want to weaponize them. You know, give them a way to really put a threat on the board because, you know, they're they're pretty low powered. One for the mana dorks, you know, a few of the other ones I have are, are pretty low powered. So I wanted to find a way to boost them up and make mm-hmm. them a, a bit stronger. Right, and close the deal. Yep. And uh so Cathar's Crusade, three colorless, <laughs> you know. Uh yeah, let's forget subtlety. Let's just yeah. do it. <laughs> you know, because this is uh this is works really well with plus one plus one counter. So right. I gotta, you know, put a plus one plus one counter for every time I play a creature. You know, that's how it works. Uh another one is Archangel of Thune. So three and two colorless for a three four angel flying lifelink. Whenever you gain life. Put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control. So attack with it. Give all your creatures plus one plus one. You know, as a as a result of getting in for some flying damage. That's uh <clears throat> both of those are some pretty aggressive plus one plus one counters. And that's like they're they're gonna they're gonna do some work. Yeah, yeah. And it just every time I cast a creature or I head to my combat, it's just gonna continue. You're really so it's trying pretty to get nice. the mana dorks out of the early game and make them relevant. Exactly. Um, Thunderfoot Bailoff. So Lieutenant. As long as you control your commander, it's a 5-5 with Trample. It's going to give uh, 
itself plus two plus two and each other creature you control plus two plus two and trample it's a good card yeah and in this context where like i like what you're doing here austin where you're like like you're putting an emphasis on mana dork so you make sure they do happen and this kind of stuff (laughs) that where like like i i don't know i like what you talked about where you're like usually they kind of lose relevance as the game goes on but here they are they're their yeah. relevance and, remains remains intact yeah yeah and there's a few other creatures in a similar fashion that kind of give me utility you know give me value from them when they uh enter the battlefield and so the, you know i've gotten their the use out of them but now they have a body you know like uh one that comes to mind is wood elves okay so search up a forest it's a one one for three mana well now it's gonna now it's gonna do a lot more you know it's gonna produce more mana for me <laughs> and uh keep going so i've got all these creatures on board you know i got all my mana dorks i got all my my big creatures well i want to i want to protect them and that was one of the things we were talking about you know in the intro like there are plenty of things that kind of help protect my creatures mm-hmm. um and protect shalai in particular because again it doesn't have hex proof itself so it can be you know, targeted by removal. A little bit of and, chink uh, in the mail for sure. Yeah, she's she's like the the needle's eye that that people can go get at. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is Lightning Greaves. You know, just slip some boots on there. She's got Shroud, can't be targeted uh, herself, and so there you go, problem yeah. solved. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the whole the whole board state. Well, the other thing is because uh, Shalai protects your, um planeswalkers as well right so having Watley in there like yeah also can't be targeted and then definitely definitely yeah, now you're sealing up that one hole uh mother runes is another one one mana tap it target creature gets protection from a color of your choice so give shalai protection you know your opponent's gonna doom blade with their you know removal and your respond by giving it protection from black and fizzling the spell yeah <laughs> No big deal. Um. <laughs> and I like it even more. Like I've, I've used mother of runes in a decent number of decks, but where just by virtue of having your commander out mother, of, I yeah, always feel a little tenuous hands. because sometimes it has to protect itself. Yeah. yeah they're but whole, they're definitely covering they're, each other's they, Yeah. Backs. They've, they've got each other's back here. Mm. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Avazin archangel of hope. Oh, that's well, a, well. that's a big one. <laughs> you know, five, Five colorless, three white for a eight eight with flying indestructible vigilance gives uh all your other creatures or all your other permanents indestructible. So Shalai's given them hexproof. Avison's given them indestructible. I'd be thinking about uh the choices I've made with my life if I saw an opponent get that set up between those two. Yeah. In yeah, tandem at this point, with each only other. Like, what? <laughs> four cards that can deal with it some black <laughs> yeah, removal like much. and then yeah merc eviction <laughs> yeah. toxic deluge i've, yeah, I've had that uh, situation where that happens they just deluge for eight and there Oof. goes my entire board you know that's why uh that's why you got to play cards like teferi's protection you know <laughs> phase out get out of the game like, okay. Good job on casting that big toxic deluge. See you later. Yeah. And you keep your one one counters while you're at it too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Um, another one is uh, Inspiring Call. Two colorless and a green, and it synergizes really well with the plus one, plus one counters of Shalai, because uh, you're going to draw a card for each creature you control with a plus one, plus one counter, hmm. and those creatures gain indestructible until end of turn. Perfect. So, three mana instant, protect all my creatures, draw, you know, half dozen cards, call it a day. I I yeah. like that. That's what this this deck. Yeah. Must have an inspiring call. It's asking for it, right? And I think like as that continues, as more kind of progresses with the game, there's uh there's other ways to interact with your creatures and kind of keep them uh keep them, you know, adding value to the deck, kind of adding more value to their abilities. And so I've included a bunch of uh ways to tap and untap your creatures, you know, because your mana dorks already produce mana. And there I've included a couple other ways to produce mana from your creatures so that you can put a bunch of it into Shalai's ability because you don't have to tap it to use its ability. It's just pay six mana, put a plus one plus one counter on anything. Done. That's that's nice. Yeah. How so, so have you have you played with Reese at all, Austin? Uh not in recent time. Okay. I've definitely played with it in the past. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's th- there's something interesting about tokens for me, um, because they're, you know, like they're not actually creatures. If that makes any sense, they're not a card. You yeah, know? and they don't, and they usually don't do anything other than be a body, right? Yeah. So like I like to gain a lot of value from my creatures, and I think that's what kind of drew me to this deck at least. Okay, I the reason I ask is I'm I'm curious because yeah. both you know like obviously Reese's larger activated ability is six mana and tap, mm-hmm. and yeah. Shalai's is six mana without the tap. I'm I'm curious what people think like of the uh, of the value, and maybe it's apples and oranges. I don't know, but that's they're, true. They're Putin. both they're both six mana activated abilities that should have a really big impact i mean the direction we're going with this deck at least like a token you have to jump through some hoops to even turn a token into a mana dork it's true and it's usually coming from a source that's way more mana intensive than the mana dork so you're kind of like in a mana negative by the time you're even getting something like that off of a token that's a good point so just play the lana or elf yeah (laughs) yeah Well, I uh, I made sure to conclude the the most efficient uh, ways to turn your creatures into mana in this deck. I've got uh, Cryptolith, right? That's uh, two mana. card. Tap a creature. To, each creature is going to have tap, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. And uh, the other one is Song of the Fraileys. Oh, uh, yeah. It's uh, the new saga that does a similar thing, enters the battlefield until under turn. Uh, Creatures are going to get add one mana of any color in your mana pool. That's going to okay. be for two whole turns. Because uh, when it enters and during the next upkeep, then it's got its uh, third ability. Put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. Those creatures gain Vigilance, Trample, and Indestructible until end of turn. So after you're done making all that mana, they're going to be uh, you know indestructible bodies that you can just send it to your opponents. That's a really nice saga. Yeah, <laughs> like if there's a pl- again, if there's a place for that card, seems to be just, this deck. Just two mana, you know, not not a not a lot to worry about. Um, 
And so now that I've, you know, been able to turn all my creatures into mana producers, I now can tap them to add mana in my mana pool. And now I want to find ways to untap them and utilize that mana continually along with my creatures. So I've included cards like Quest for Renewal, one in oh, yeah. a green. Whenever a creature you control becomes tapped, put a counter on it. Three, uh, as long as there are four or more quest counters on Quest for Renewal, you can untap all your creatures during each other player's untap step. So just tap them down for mana, you know, untap them, and uh, keep keep producing more mana to put into Shalai's ability. You know, at each upkeep, let's say you've got six creatures on board. Well, you tap them down. You know, you've got three activations by the time it gets back to your turn. So let me let me ask a question to you too. Um, yeah. Quest for renewal versus Seedborn Muse. Uh, uh, Seedborn Muse. Seedborn Muse. Obviously, you know it's it's a creature. It's out there. It's it's happening mm-hmm. once it's out. And the quest for renewal, you have. You've you've got a quest you got to go on before it happens. It's easy to pull. Yeah. Up. Uh, but like I don't know. I think maybe it's maybe it's maybe you have different experience than us, Austin. Mm. Which would you prefer to use? I'm I'm posing this to both of you. Mm. If I had to choose one, I think uh, quest for renewal. I think is a bit better because it's an enchantment. A little bit more difficult to interact with enchantments as opposed to creatures. You know, there's board wipes and removal, and a lot of people, you know, they pack some enchantment removal, but, you know, not as much as, you know, you kind of see a little bit less of that. I have a tendency to agree with that, because I, I, at least in our group, Seedborn Muse has a a bigger reputation than Quest for Renewal does. I think people see Seedborn Muse, and it's, everyone Mm -hmm. knows, that thing's got to go. There's not a lot of cards in the game that, immediately open you up for abuse like you can abuse that almost right away yeah and seedborn muse i mean it also untaps your lands too so that kind of gives it that bigger threat than than the quests because that's for your quest is just for your creatures so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's 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 a really good point that's the drawback of it but it, it doesn't it doesn't matter too much in this deck this deck wants to untap your creatures you know because they're all pretty much producing you mana from there yeah, the quest um, sticks longer, in my experience. Yeah, I mean, that's, just, that's it's hard my to remove, thought. and maybe people don't, they kind of tune out when they're reading reading it, because it's very wordy. See, and I think that's that's kind of my experience, too. Like, whenever I play a quest for renewal, it seems like there's people at the table that maybe they're not processing in their brain what the implications are. Yeah, and where so, Seabird Muse is like, wait, all your permanents? That's... yeah. <laughs> Huh? <laughs> so I think quest for renewal gets ignored, and then, like you pointed out, Austin, as an enchantment, it's it's Part, less prone to removal. Mm-hmm. Good picks for the deck. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I'm I'm playing both in here, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> seedborn muse. Why not? Also. I mean, you deserve you, it. Dude. Exactly. You deserve you get a hexproof it, seedborn muse. Like, let's just get it in there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, you know, another one uh, that does a similar thing is the uh, the paradox engine. Couldn't the deck couldn't go without? Oh, God. oh yeah, <laughs> you know, casting spells untaps your permanents, your non-land permanents, and I think uh, that's what 
kind of makes this deck interesting is that it produces an engine from there. You know, it's all your creatures are tapping for mana. All of your creatures are entering the battlefield uh, and drawing you cards because a lot of that is what this deck does. And then you're just playing a creature. You're untapping your creatures. They're producing more mana. You're untapping them, playing another creature, tapping them again, making more mana. You know, trying to... It, it It's not necessarily like a infinite combo. It's just more of a like a, a really strong synergy. You know, like a lot of the cards, like you need so many cards in order to be able to do that but once you have it you know it's it's hard to hard to lose from there you know you're definitely snowballing yeah yeah <laughs> at this point the only barrier is how many cards you can get in your hand right but, yeah but uh mm-hmm. get that emblem from Watley. yeah i mean the 12 yeah. 12 sources of card draw i think will kind of prop it up i think yeah yeah, and I've got a couple other things that kind of utilize the mana that you're producing from your creatures as well. So I, I do have the Videlkanori, which you know gives your non-land cards flash, uh, as well as uh, Yeva Nature's Herald. You know, Ooh. two two colorless, two green, give all your green creatures flash as well. You know, and it has flash itself. So you know, it, it kind of helps along with that protection and the evasion of the deck. It's like, you know, I don't want to be board wiped, so I'm just going to wait until your end step to cast all my spells. And then, then I'll, I'll untap with haste, you know? I like Yeva a lot. I've got, uh, I've got a mono green deck that I definitely put her to use in and exactly what you're describing is, is incredibly powerful to like, make sure that all your plays are right. And my use index, she's definitely a tutor target. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Instead, uh, people, I, let's do it. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's pretty much everything that this deck uh, tries to do. There were a couple cards that I kind of put in the maybe board just so, you know, people who, you know, see these cards and they want to play them, you know, by all means. Uh, for me and, you know, like our channel and, you know, my particular play group, we kind of try to avoid. Well, at least me personally tries to avoid uh, big game finishers, like one card that just says, well, I win the game. So like <laughs> Cyclonic Rift is one of them that comes to mind. You know, that's in blue, but it's still, uh, you know, just seven to. mana. Yeah. Win the game. Yeah, uh, crater. Yeah, really. Yeah. Uh, so for this deck, I put uh, Crater Hoof Behemoth. You know, as a uh, a card that could easily fit into this, you know, creature centric deck. You know, give everything trample and ton of power, uh, and just win the game in one right. foul swoop. Out of haste, yeah, yeah. Uh, Triumph of the Hordes is another one. You know, four mana sorcery. Just give everything infect. You know, kill, kill, uh, kill a couple opponents all at once with those attacks. Um. And then, of course, if you're up against players who, uh, you know, like play a lot of blue, you know, you want some ways to, you know, stop your opponents from casting spells. So Dragonlord Dramoka, that's another one, you know, that comes to mind as well as the Grand Abolisher. Yeah, yeah, that's good. You know, keep keep your opponents from interacting with a lot of what you're doing because you just keep those synergies going and, you know, then they have to wait till their turn before they can do anything. By then it's too late. Um, I think the Conqueror's Flail does is and that's the one that does that as well, right? Yeah, yeah, on the your equipment. Turn. Yeah, yeah, on yeah. your turn. 
And there's like Dosan, the falling leaf or whatever. Oh, yeah. I think that's everybody's yeah. turn. It switches everything into like Hearthstone mode. <laughs> yeah, like you can only do stuff on your turn. Pretty much. Interesting. Yeah. Uh I I dig it. I um I I feel like Yeah, like if it's one of those decks where like people let you let you like to just leave you alone. <laughs> Well, I feel like if you're gonna you're going to get away before everybody else can get there, right? Yeah, I mean, I feel feel like you're taking advantage of what the commander's giving you, right? I mean, yeah. a lot of this I'm thinking like, yeah, I don't know, but oh wait, add the layer of hexproof on top of that. Yeah, you know, just 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 let me play my cards. That's yeah. all I want to do. I just want to play essentially solitaire. You know, don't touch my spell uh, creatures. Don't touch my spells. Leave me alone. I'm going to be here playing magic. You know, you guys can do whatever you want on the other end of the table. <laughs> did did, uh, did Brad play Shalai in a game recently? Yeah, he did. He really, he's just like, this chick's, yeah, he has her in um, Saskia, Saskia, right? To keep his board stick, oh, yeah. his board stick in, intact. And and that's the thing is I think, uh, I think when you're playing a creature-centric build, typically people are inclined to just remove the most bothersome things. Yeah, all your values on mm -hmm. the creature. But... In this case, you're like, well, <laughs> I'm going to make it really hard for you to do that by virtue of my commander. Yeah, short of board wipes. Yeah. And, and then I'm protecting my commander. And as we as was stated, you know, I mean, even in the colors, that's not a guarantee that your board wipes are going to get rid of it either. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I, I dig it. I, cause it. So here's the thing to me is I, I feel like there's some decks where like, like if you just if you just kind of let everybody battle cruise, the, the question mm -hmm. sort of becomes who's who's going to get there first. This deck yeah. will definitely, definitely get there with the damage output. Yeah. I mean, my, yeah, my favorite thing is just resilience. Yeah. Like if I'm going to play like a non glass cannon color combination, this mm -hmm. is something I'd be attracted to. Yeah. All right. You know, cause like, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you've got other, if, if you've got other interests in other color combinations, like somebody like me or other strategies, I don't have remotely the resilience something like this would afford. I just don't. <laughs> Everything I have is like, oh my god, thank God my lightning greaves was in there. Oh, let's get those equipped because everybody's just staring at you. But here it's like, <laughs> eh. you know, like yeah. Short of the like, they have to double their removal. Yeah, take the commander and whatever you're after underneath it. Yeah. So no, that's just, I mean that's the, the case. Odds of that happening are really low. We've seen that kind of stuff with things like privileged position, right? Where everybody knows you can load that in here too. Okay. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Just and create, asceticism. Do the layers over the layers. Yeah. yeah. Um so you've you've got some gameplay videos coming up with that that are showing off this deck. Is that right, Austin? Yeah, I have one, in fact. Uh we played it. Uh it had the you know, it's kind of an earlier build in, in the deck. I think uh, one of our players, Alan, he put his own version together. Okay. So he, he kind of played uh, Shalai a bit, and I think it kind of focused more on the plus one, plus one counter strategy. Uh, but you'll you'll still see Shalai in action, which is always nice, you know, seeing that commander come out and, you know, go up against some other, you know, some good legends, that sort of thing. Right on, right on. Um. Yeah, everybody be sure to check out Commander 99 and see it in, in action. Yeah, if you have a video up, we can link it. Yeah, for sure. Send us links and we'll we'll put them in our show notes. That's kind of, of what we're going for. 
now is just let's just show proof of purchase for what the fuck we've been talking about on these episodes with gameplay yeah. videos and it's cool you're already doing that it seems like like we're just that's not a space that we've really explored yeah i mean it was kind of where uh, so i come from a background of film and video production i oh, you know, dude. got a degree in it so Whoa. i uh you know i kind of took my two hobbies and you know mushed them together and i'm like well i already know how to film i love commander let's do this that's, yeah. a, <laughs> that's a happy marriage right there yeah <laughs> all right guys well i've got a deck as well dude what what now what's next i'm a yeah. little more put together than i was last week candy i'll tell you that much you're done with your yeah, my, existential my crises existential crisis is over for now uh so it, what's interesting is i i kind of was thinking like looking at the two commanders you know what austin picked out and what i'm doing uh with amara soul of the accord okay i was like yeah you know i mean is there any overlap we should have some some different things there's actually a there's actually some good overlap here huh. turns out when you put commanders that share colors turns they're out. interested in doing some some of the same things turns out <laughs> all right let me read off the the commander and then we'll kind of get into uh, what I'm trying to accomplish with this list. Okay. So it's Amara Soul of the Accord. It's just two converted mana costs. So it's a green and a white uh, for a legendary creature, Elf Cleric. And she is a 2 2. She has whenever Amara Soul of the Accord becomes tapped, create a 1 1 white soldier creature token with lifelink. Um, this is very interesting, kind of very niche, I guess, because mm -hmm. she herself doesn't have an activated ability on her. Yeah, that allows her to be tapped. So you have to find ways to tap her. So the hoop to jump through is uh, finding ways to. Yeah. So so I've I've I tried to structure my list of cards kind of similar to how you did last week, Andy. Where I've got a few different missions that I'm on okay. with this deck, and I'll go through each of these these missions here. Uh, so the first one is our our tap dance party. Mm -hmm. uh, so we need to figure out how to get things tapped. Yeah, that would be important. Uh, turns out that's what she wants. So there's some really obvious picks for this. Uh, one of them would be the Sentinel Hierophants. Uh, so three and a green for a druid that is a 3-2. Says each creature you control gains tap. Add green to your mana pool. Play this ability as a mana source. Um, much like Austin mentioned, you'd have the Cryptolith Rite that is an enchantment version of that, essentially. Okay, yeah. Uh, so we're providing that we can get mana out of these. So, and this is, those two are, I think are particularly appealing in this context because because she gives you a token and gives you mana. Yeah. And then the yeah. tokens oh, now tap. get to kind of add on and you should be able to surge ahead with your mana production. Mm. Um, this one is one that I think Andy really likes. And, and I think when you're dealing with tokens, it's actually pretty jacked up. If you have a way to get haste, when she taps, you could tap the new token, right? That comes in. Yeah. So if you got out something like a Chroma's Memorial, um, that gives your or Concordant Crossroads or something. Yes, yeah. things like that mm -hmm. that that provide haste. Uh, you can just kind of keep going a little, a little bit, bit there. Yeah. Uh, Nullmade Shepherd. This one I know Andy's a big fan of. It's three and a green for an Elf Shaman. That's a two four. It says tap four untapped creatures you control. Destroy target artifact or enchantment uh, yeah, i like it because they don't need to be off like they can be sick and we can still yeah so these so th so yeah exactly I mean, that's a good thing to point out so like if we're 
tapping her down and we've got tokens that are coming in that are sick. They're still eligible to be tapped to by the Null Mage Shepherd. Yeah. Um, yeah. Similar to kind of Seton and how you'd use him, right? Like you're getting in druids, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. Yeah, same process. Yeah, so so summoning sickness doesn't matter with a, with a creature like that, which is really nice. Um, Glare of Subduel is an enchantment that you'll see in a lot of lists. And so this one is two, a green and a white. Uh, tap, an, an un, tap an untapped creature you control. Tap target artifact or creature. So you can kind of do a little bit of crowd control with other players in this case. Uh, Isn't it like a blue card that does something similar? It's like I think it's opposition. I can't think of that off the top of my head. Yeah, um, this is this is similar to that. But that card's annoying. Again, looking at it in, in context of getting tokens, you could potentially just clear down somebody's creatures, right? Oh yeah. Like open things up, open the way. Uh, especially if you get to where you have a critical mass where you're out, out in front of everybody. Well, it's like you're probably gonna block with them anyway. So like why waste it? Like, yeah, exactly. Just tap them to exactly. Tap it down. Not even not even gonna bother with with what you're trying to do huh. um you, uh, you you pro play it you you block then you tap them down oh yeah. yeah that's a Kinda. <laughs> that's Keep a going. i like that a lot that's actually a really good idea because you're preserving their bodies in the process of doing that right mm. yeah <clears throat> um artifacts there's a few artifacts that are that are pretty interesting here to use uh I included this one. I saw this popping up on EDH rec and then some other lists. It's kind of an expensive artifact, but I think if you include some other things that subordinate the strategy, it, it can work out pretty well. It's the hair strung Koto. So it's six mana for an artifact. The hell uh, tap an untapped creature. You control target player puts the top card of his or her library into his or her graveyard. Um, you're milling. So we can mill people like I've, I've put some I've put some other things in my list where there's the potential that we could mill out other players. OK, um, but something else that I did is uh, kind of as I got looking at Amara, there's a lot of lists contain a lot of artifacts. And I've mentioned this. I've kind of teleplayed this previously. I'd kind of like to do a more artifact heavy build around Amara. And so with that comes the possibility for recursion since we're playing in white uh there's the eternal witness I'll, I'll get into some of those things more later but uh you might be interested in milling yourself as well uh with yeah, something like the hair strong koto um then there's going to be the spring leaf drum so tap tap an untapped creature you control add one mana of any color to your mana pool in this case we're really just focusing on amara with that yeah and then the staff of domination. You can it's it's just you know a variety well, of activations. Yeah. One of which includes three and tap to or th four and tap to tap target creature. Um, but amongst those are two and tap itself to gain one life, three and untap a uh, three and tap to untap target creature, five and tap to draw a card, and you can also pay one to untap the staff of domination. Um, which could kind of get going a little bit when we, when you've got something like Cryptolithrite in play. You can start bouncing really, these back and forth. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. You can start going going along with some of these different things. Um, an interesting one where we start bordering on comboing is is the Thornbite staff. And so this is an, uh, 
it's two mana for a shaman equipment and it, says, and it has an equip cost of four. So it's pretty hefty cost to get this equipped, but we, we have the potential to combo with this. So we've equipped, equipped creature has pay two generic mana and tapped. Uh, this creature deals one damage to target creature or player. And whenever a creature is put into a graveyard from play, untap this creature. So this Amara Ashnod's altar, you're in a position where you can infinitely combo off here, right? Yeah. Cause she yeah. becomes tapped. Yeah. How much is the activation for it? So it's two. Yeah. That so works. it's, it's perfect. It's a three piece combo right there. With God, if only those. black was in this color type <laughs> in this deck. <laughs> um, another one that I, I, I got looking, I got kind of exploring vehicles a little bit. Um, really? Oh uh, yeah. I guess you do have to tap them to crew them, huh? Yeah, I think I think that's a route you could go is you could more heavily rely on vehicles. I kind of backed off of it as I was going through and building my list, but um yeah, sorry. One that I ended up keeping was the Weatherlight. Uh so it's 4 for a vehicle bus, you mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seat belts everyone. Uh so it's 4 for a 4/5 and it has crew 3. So, of course, in order to crew, we have to tap down equivalent to three power three power um so it has flying and it also says whenever the weather light deals combat damage to a player look at the top five cards of your library you may reveal a historic card from among them and put it into your hand put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order since we're pretty heavy on artifacts in my list here uh, among them potential combo pieces such as an astronaut's altar being able to go through the top five to find a juicy artifact. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty sweet. In addition to this, in addition to kind of doing just some of these other things are kind of tapping down. This is kind of opens up uh, a little more of the artifact side. Specifically, I'm looking at clock of omens. Now I'll read this off and this presents. Dude, my boy. Conundrum. Dude. Yeah. But uh, first of all, Clock of Omens. So it's four mana. And it says tap two untapped artifacts you control. Untap target artifact. Yeah. Uh, what is this doing here? Yeah. I mean, she's not an artifact, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't make any sense. What is your plan, sir? So that, of course, Mycosynth lattice. implies that we need to get the Mycosynth Lattice you would. into the deck list. <laughs> okay. So this is six mana for an artifact that says all permanents are artifacts in addition to their other types. This is highly unorthodox. It is highly unorthodox. All cards that aren't on the battlefield, uh, spells, and permanents are colorless. Players may spend mana as though it were mana of any color. Uh, now, when I was originally kind of trying to put this list together, I was like really trying to press this button uh, around the Mycosynth Lattice. And I kind of dialed it back a little bit, but it's still relevant enough. What other interactions does it have with the rest of your deck? Because now I'm wondering, like, is it only in here for the clock? Or well, so got we've got the clock else? of omens, but we're also going to use, and this this kind of leads into the the second segment of of my deck list, which okay. is the after party unwind. What? Oh, the unwinding clock. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So so we want things like the unwinding clock as well. So four mana, untap all artifacts you control during each other player's untap step. So 
again, with the mycosynth lattice that positions things like clock of omens. You're out of your mind. The unwinding clock <clears throat> uh, to get going. We can also use the voltaic key. Yeah, it's a, these are these are great cards for artifacts. They decks, are great Kyle. cards. These are all really decks. good. <laughs> artifacts. So one uh, for the voltaic key, and then it has activate. You pay one and tap it to untap target artifact. Okay. Um, then we can also go with there's there's the voltaic construct, the creature, one of the creature yep. versions. Uh -huh. of this. That's that's good for artifact decks too. <laughs> so four for a two two golem, and it has pay two untap target artifact creature now i will point out the voltaic construct mycosynth lattice ashnod's altar and some way of tapping amara this is pretty deep right here yeah we're getting pretty deep <laughs> i'm into that that's a rube that's the this, rube goldberg the, machine. yeah this i'm trying to get andy interested in selesnia here. Uh -huh. that's what i'm trying to do <laughs> just segue into the artifact realm and that'll that'll get them <laughs> that's right that's right but that puts us in a position where uh, we could, we could, at the very least, we have infinite token entries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So if you pair that with something like an altar of the brood, you have infinite mill. Uh, if you pair it with something like presence of Gond, you've got infinite tokens now. Um, or you don't even need to pair it with some of those things. You can actually use that hairstrung koto, and you can infinitely mill with Just that deck somebody as well. So uh that's Dude, that's what happened to you, man. That's pretty deep to get to get that to happen. Yeah. Um, but let me keep going with this after party unwind and then we'll talk about some some issues that probably feel pretty glaring about what I'm presenting here. Okay, yeah. Um another interesting one to put like like I I think I'm yeah, like I mentioned the Thornbite staff. So that's already that's kind of our part of our unwinding we mm. want to get untapped as well yeah uh so that needs to be paired with a sack outlet M you know most of interest is ashnod's altar um but green has other ones i mean yes i mean i don't know they're not really that can be abused like that yeah i mean that's that's like that one's really nice to to do that way uh that greater good you just you would you need bigger creatures for greater good exactly mm -hmm. uh Following some of the overlap with with Austin here is I've got Quest for Renewal, sure. Um, Seedborn Muse. I also put in Awakening because you know we're gonna ride that motorcycle, dude. <laughs> okay. Okay. You're so, two and two green at the beginning of each player's upkeep. Untap all creatures and lands. I mean, with something like the Cryptolith mm -hmm. right online, I I can see by the time we get to your turn. But God, dude, I don't know, man. This is that card can backfire in a big oh it way. can backfire in a big way yeah <laughs> <laughs> but we're going for it we're going for it I don't dude give a shit okay so we've got we've got a lot of stuff here that's that's sort of the tap untap a huge segment of which has to do with artifacts so yeah I, we've i've noticed that i've 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 put yeah. this is this is the segment of i of my list that i like to call like we need to go Indiana Jonesing. Okay. We need to go find, find artifacts, artifacts. Right? Okay. So as you can tell, I've already got some things built into the package that allow me to mill, and I'm going to be a good target for milling, uh, which then implies cards such as Junk Diver are are valuable here. Yeah. So or I'll just read off the Junk Diver would work too. and kind of go over a couple others. So Junk Diver, three mana. Uh, flying. 1-1, one, one, 
It's an artifact creature bird. So when Junk Diver dies, return another target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. Okay. So one of those combo pieces makes it into your yard. Cool. I'm going to go Junk Diver it back. There's obviously a whole slew of options like that. that include things like Mirror Retriever, um, a bunch of stuff like that. Scrap Trawler. Scrap Trawler. Um, I, pu- I also put in the Restoration Specialist. Dude, is my Dynamo in here, dude? I mean, not the dynamo, the mirror turbine, the turbine. Oh, no, I actually really thought about putting in the mirror turbine, and I, I couldn't quite justify it with the way I had the list constructed. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's its own tap. You're not really interested in... But I don't know, man, with all these... Okay, whatever. It, it, it's, 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 it's got potential. I'll, yeah. I'll give it that. So the restoration specialist, so one and a white, and it's a dwarf artificer that's a 2-1. It has an activated ability if you pay white and sacrifice the Restoration Specialist, return up to one target artifact card and up to one target enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand. So we're going to snag a couple different things with that one. Um, I mentioned this, the Eternal Witness, just just a really good card if you're playing green, just put into your deck. Uh, but considering what we're trying to do, it, it has a lot of value here as well. Um, and then, of course, putting in some tutors, such as the Enlightened Tutor, uh, allows us to, to work at it. Um, I put in a, a lot of my ramp, rather than relying on spells like Rampant Growth and Mana Dorks too much, I actually leaned a lot more towards Mana Rocks. And so it makes something like the Koldatha Forge Master um, have the fodder it needs to do some tutoring as well. So Koldatha Forge Master is five mana, for an, an artifact creature construct that is a 3-5, has activated ability of tap, sacrifice three artifacts, search your library for an artifact card, then put it onto the battlefield and shuffle your library. Um, and then one of Andy's favorite cards. See, dude, I'm trying to make... It? I'm trying to sell you, dude. Yeah, I feel that too. You're, you're, you're going to build this deck. I feel man. that car salesman-y thing you're, coming my you're way. You're going to build this deck. And it comes with Bluetooth... Andy, it comes with Bluetooth. <laughs> That's just the name of the deck. It comes with Bluetooth. Yeah. So trading post four uh, has a multitude of activated abilities. It's a planeswalker, in my opinion. It kind of is, huh? But the one we're particularly interested in here, recall we're doing some mill of ourselves here. Uh, so you can pay one. Tap, sack a creature, return target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. But, it, you know, other things come in handy here. You could potentially sack an artifact to draw a card. You could potentially produce a goat because you like goats. Hmm. Or discard a card to gain life if you're really in trouble. So that's kind of the Indiana Jonesing segment of things. Um, you can kind of do m- more of that. Like I said, if you're going to do things sort of in the in the vein of the junk diver mirror retriever. Um, there's a lot of stuff in white that opens up returning things from your graveyard. Honestly, like there's part of me that really thought about putting in Tashar and yeah. using that to kind of have some recursion. Um, yeah. I mean, you figured that out before already. Yeah. I figured that out with my Tashar list. So I kind of avoided doing that, but you know, like there's, there's a lot of options and I think, this is something that's been on my mind a lot since we did our mono white episode. There's, there's a lot more recursion in white than I think most people think consciously. 
Like, I think we all use it, but there's a ton of it there that's available. Some would say there's too much recursion in mono white. Like, you get to a point to where you've emptied out your graveyard and it's, you got more. It's true. Like, it, there's there's a huge possibility that you can. Like, it it's it's plenty available. So I'm trying to just put that, bring that a little bit more fully into the Selesnia thing here. Um, mm-hmm. Now, this kind of brings us to sort of a climactic or anticlimactic okay. moment. Uh, there's an inherent problem with tokens in that they just seem to die. For sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I... I kind of went, you know, like you can go the route of like we talked about towards the beginning of the episode, you can go the route of doing like a dauntless escort, uh, heroic intervention and all those types of things to try to save and preserve your board state. Or we can just try to get some benefit out of it. Um, I put in several sack outlets into the, as, as you can tell, I put in Ashnod's altar. Uh, okay. I put in Phyrexian Altar. Not a budget pick there. That's definitely a non-budget acquisition right there. Um, Altar of Dementia, so we can kind of continue with that mill thing. Um, I feel like you may reach a point with a number of tokens that you can make a decision with something like Altar of Dementia about whether or not you have the capacity to mill somebody else out Um, because you may be in a position to do that. Uh, Or you can just use it as a tool for yourself. Uh, I also put in Spawning Pit. Um, we've seen Cam use this one in our play group. Yeah, you can bank them for later. And yeah, and it makes it so that they really kind of don't necessarily go away. So it's just two mana for an artifact. And it says sacrifice a creature, put a charge counter on Spawning Pit. And it says pay one, remove two charge counters from Spawning Pit, put a 2-2 two, two spawn artifact creature token into play. So it's basically a one for one. Like you're piggy banking... Somebody's dropping a board wipe, just sack them all into the spawning pit and you can dump out mana, dump mana into that and get tokens back. Rather than the two one ones, you would get one, two, two, but it kind of translates for you. Um now kind of skull clamp. I did put skull clamp in. And that's something else I should mention. I'm not gonna go over my card draw, but uh much like Austin, I was pretty aggressive with the card draw package in this deck. Yeah, you're meaning to put this because if wackadoodle strategy, yeah, anytime together, we're dealing with kind of like weird engines that have maybe potential for combos that you could win by, you definitely need to dig through your deck. And so I was pretty aggressive about card draw. Um, the other thing that I kind of wanted to do is just sort of turn things upside down on their kind of on their heads. Um, one when because tokens they call out board wipes, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and so. I kind of want to put people in a position where they cast a board wipe and I, I create some asymmetry out of that where I'm the one that's the, the beneficiary of the board wipe. Uh, so specifically, like if we have some, something set up like, um, like an Ashnod's altar, or we've got cryptolith right up, uh, the, uh, the Sentinel Hierophants, things like that. Those all allow us to kind of produce mana with these tokens. And so as they're going out, we can just use them to produce mana and cast some of these instant spells, one of which would be White Sun Zenith. So, you know, we've got that banked in the mana pool. 
right? During that phase, let it resolve. Drop this instant spell. I think that works correctly. During, yeah, it's during an instant there, right? speed, yeah. So, yeah. so X and three white. Put X, two, two white cat creature tokens on the battlefield. And of course, you shuffle White Sun Zenith back into your library. Uh, taking one of the new cards that came from Guilds of Ravnica, uh, March of Multitudes, which apparently buy it now because these things are already expensive. What does yep. it do again? Uh, so it's X, green, white, white. Uh, it has Convoke, so you can use the tokens. Use to the tokens. The you don't necessarily need something that's producing mana for you in that uh, in that case. Well, I mean, depending on how that's how you're stacking that up. But well, you can do both. Yeah, ex- exactly. Uh, so create X11 white soldier creature tokens with lifelink. So the exact same tokens. It's an instant? Yeah, it's an instant. Okay. Okay. Uh, Was there one from cons that's an instant that makes tokens too? Yes. I think you're thinking of secure the waste. Yeah, that's it. So, so X and a white put X11 white warrior creature tokens onto the battlefield same kind of a thing i also put in squall line we're gonna really punish people what does squall line do if they're gonna board wipe so it's x and two green squall line deals x damage to each creature with flying and each player so we're gonna put that into faces if people oh, so are gonna if board gonna wipe anyway i'm gonna make it so that it goes into faces as well myself included but, um, i mean you've already proven your de- you're crazy enough to make this deck anyway. So sure, exactly. Let's, let's just get at the life total. This one I really dig. Fresh meat. I mean, I think if you're doing yeah, any token can... strategy. Is it every creature that dies or just yours? So three and a green for an instant. Put a 3-3 three, three green beast creature token onto the battlefield for each creature put into your graveyard okay, okay. in the battlefield this turn. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're kind of turning those things upside down on their heads. Um, and then just this is just a card draw benefit one, but uh, it's an instant where it may make people think twice about casting the board wipes. It's f- uh, fecundity. Uh, so two and a green for an enchantment. Whenever a creature is put into a graveyard from play, maybe others will benefit more. It's, it's all around the table. Yeah. Uh, that creature's controller may draw a card. But when you're tokening, you should have more. Yeah, hang on to that if Prosh is around. <laughs> yeah, definitely don't cast it then. Um. But yeah, I mean, what, what, what I'm trying to accomplish here, though, is using artifacts and using white to sort of maintain the recursive or create a recursive nature. It's about the best you can deck. hope for with and the then, two colors. There, and the reason I think that I feel like that's open is a lot of the stuff that you want to put to use uh, for untap effects and things like that, they're, you know, like Amara wants a lot of artifacts anyways. That whether whether they're interested in artifacts themselves or not. And so I think going this route of doing the artifacts a little more heavily. Just embrace it. Like including a Mycosynth Lattice, letting yourself mill yourself with some of these things, uh, recurring artifacts. You know, it, I think she sets herself up to where it's not too big of a stretch to just lean into that. No, it's not. It's unconventional. It's not. I don't think it's insane. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's cards. There's There's decks that are going to be more stable. And pulling off what they want to do, but uh, I think this is definitely interesting. Unique. <laughs> yeah, I dig it. Do you want to try it? I'm not sure. I I'm still trying to feel out how my current configuration of Tashar, how I feel about my current configuration of Tashar. And if that's not really cutting it for you, you'll think 
yeah this this is where i would move if if i didn't feel like to shard you haven't really had a token deck for a a bit no it's true well that's not true now you have what's her face yeah i guess i have regna and crav yeah zimara in your deck austin say again is no one is zimara in your deck now uh it is not huh not in my build i just uh i just overlooked it i think you know it definitely would lean into the whole tapping creatures for mana ability. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's that's kind of what but, I was thinking. Is that you've got you've got some space. I mean, if you open up a slot, she could probably do some so, work for you. Yeah, I, I I'm digging the lower CMC on the commanders. Honestly, I think that's the big thing here. Like her and Lazav are pretty attractive because because you I think you can play aggressively with Amara and you know if she she gets removed in the process of doing some of these things. Like, like I've talked about, like I, that, I don't know that last segment, I kind of called, called it what is dead may never die. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, and she can be a part of that. Like she, it's okay if she dies cause you can get her back. Yeah. She's not super in, intense. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. Uh, I, I like that one. I like them both. I think, I, th- I think both these decks kind of speak to different things. One is just like super resilient. Yeah. And the other is yeah. Shalai is way resilient. This well, build to Austin, my kind of nutty. Awesome. The other one, my kind of nutty. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, how do we feel about Selesnya getting getting feel? through a couple decks? I mean, once once you've got enough creatures on board, it's uh, it can be pretty potent, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I th- I think. I mean, I played Reese. I've done two different iterations of Reese. I kind of just did like a general tokens version of him. I've done an elf ball and it's definitely one of those things that just, you know, as Andy puts it, like it'll, it'll snowball those. I think Selesnya has that capacity to I just, I think it can better than a Boros deck. I just think a Boros deck kind of reaches a, a mid stage peak. And then, yeah, like, yeah, because it's so reliant on the combat step where Selesnya you can do some other isn't things. Isn't so in I mean it, it benefits from a combat, but not it's not like a, a yeah, doesn't need to win there. Well, and like Austin cited, if you if you if you want just like a win the card win the game type card, those are available in this these colors as well. Like a crater hoof mm-hmm. behemoth with either of these strategies should yeah, we just work. talked about could could really seal the game, you know, and and those Almost. are available if that's what somebody's interested in. And uh, yeah, like I say, I think it snowballs. It just does. Yeah, I think Selesnia is one of the color combinations that has some of the most variety, I think, as opposed to like Demir. You know, it's all yeah, mill. Demir's pigeonholed pretty bad. Boros, you know, it's like, well, extra combats or attacking. That's all I do. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? I mean, Selesnya can do a variety of things. I mean, whether it focuses on creatures, you know, you can build it a a bunch of different ways and, you know, still have some variety within that creature strategy. I like it. I like I like that, like getting that variety. And like you pointed out, I, I like that there's been some artifact commanders that have come with it. There's there's probably still some work to because we've seen Mary a decent amount and Nizan and yeah, mm-hmm. we've seen the equipment thing here and and there's an enchantress stuff yeah like they're they're kind of a little harder to pull off but there's it's still cool that those things are available yeah you can do it yeah 
Well, uh, Austin, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for uh, and, uh, pulling in a deck for me. Yeah, thanks for saving <laughs> Andy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of course. Definitely glad to be here. A lot of fun talking with you guys about Selesnia. Well, we'll uh, we'll post some links to your channel, and then if you want to share with us any specific videos or, or uh, deck lists that you wanna want us to put in the show notes, we'll make sure to get those included as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, check out the channel, Commander Ninety Nine, gameplay, deck techs. You know, I think uh, coming up, Reed is putting together an Amara list of his own. Ooh. So <laughs> right on. You know, we'll probably see that coming out pretty soon. Cool. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, thanks again. Hey, guys. Kyle here. Thanks for listening to the Legendary Creature Podcast. And big thanks to Austin from Commander 99 for joining us this episode, giving us a deck list. And he especially thanks you from the bottom, bottom, bottom parts of his heart saved his ass from having to do a Selesnia list. Uh, we will post a link to both Austin's deck list and my own in the show notes. Also, we'll post a link to the artist Dan Terminus, whose beats and tunes you're listening to this episode. The song is Detonation. Please support him. We're very appreciative that there are musicians that let us use their music. Shout at us on Twitter at legend underscore creature. What do you think of Shalai and Amara? How are you using them? How have you seen them played out? And what ideas do you have? Until next time, think about Boros. <laughs>